This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground, the place to be if you want to master marketing mindset and copywriting in your business and hit 10K a month without losing your mind. Learn more at copywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 188 as we chat with copywriter and TCC IRL closing speaker, Jen Walker, about her journey to copywriting, the advantages that she gets from being a stage actor that apply to copywriting, her reach framework, what she's done to grow her business this year, and what she would do differently if she had to start over today. Welcome, Jen. Hey, Jen. Hello, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Great to have you here. You, We have known you for a while. You are in the Copywriter Accelerator Program and then the Copywriter Think Tank Mastermind. And most recently, you spoke on the stage at the Copywriter Club in real life in San Diego. So um, we've seen firsthand how you've grown in your business. And it'll be fun today to share a little bit more about what's been happening behind the scenes. So why don't we start with your story and how you ended up as a copywriter? Right. Sure. Absolutely. Well, it's it's been relatively recent that I transitioned into uh, copywriting, in fact. Um, and I started out in educational publishing. I was a, a, a copy editor for the longest time, uh, decades, in fact. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, kind of altering minds with word power for for a little while. Um, I was a um, I was an, a copy editor, as I say, and a commissioning editor. I was also a kids science uh, author uh, within that educational field. Um, so that, yeah, I, I I went into that basically straight from university, straight after I graduated, way back, um, and uh, I, I kind of worked up from the bottom there. Um, but then I went freelance, in fact. Uh, I worked in-house at a couple of uh, large uh, educational publishers in the UK, this was, but then went freelance way back in 1995. Well, I c continued to work with various publishers that I had worked for in-house for a little while, but then kind of it branched out and uh, I was working for various educational publishers. But they are, because I got myself into really quite a narrow niche by by accident, and I didn't even know what niching was in those days, to be fair, but I was working as a science editor. In fact, people often used to ask me, you know, how did you how did you get into publishing when you had a science degree? Because I did biological sciences at, at university for my first degree. Yes, the fact that I did science doesn't mean I can't read and write. But nevertheless, it was relatively unusual to be working in the publishing field with that kind of background. So, yeah, I did end up doing similar work for various publishers, especially biology books, uh, but also chemistry, physics. And this was at the, the school level, the kind of high school level. But during all that time, even when I'd gone freelance, I was still very much in the kind of order taker, basically outsourced employee mindset. I was there exclusively, you know, for my clients, and I had no concept that I had real any really any control over the direction of, of my business. I mean, it was great. It was actually hugely flexible at a time when I was moving house uh, a fair number of times. I had four kids during this period when I was working uh, as a, a freelance editor. I even moved continents. I've moved here to the US. I now live in Colorado. So it was incredibly flexible and it meant that I could work, you know, when it suited me. 
I was never short of work because, as I say, I'd got myself into this fairly narrow niche that meant I was pretty much always in demand. So that was great. But I, as I say, I, was, I wasn't earning a whole lot because I had no concept that I could actually ask for any more than, uh, than I was offered for any particular project. Fast forward through all of that. It really was, as I say, great for the time. But by four or five, six years ago, I was I was really wanting something new. By, by that time, I was living here in the States, still working for British publishers on the main, for the main part, although they were publishing internationally. So the books went all around the world. But I was aware at that point that I needed some kind of structure or some kind of uh, career path. I wanted to feel like I could make progress because I, I was just static. I was on this kind of plateau. And I thought at the time it meant, that that would, for me, would mean going back in-house to work for some sort of publishing company. And I did actually get the job here in Colorado in-house for a very brief time. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> to be fair, and showed me that, that by that time, to be honest, I was entirely unemployable. I could not work in-house doing something that I didn't feel invested in, I didn't feel was worthwhile, I didn't feel was creative, I didn't feel that my input and my kind of expertise by that point was... Um, was really being used. It showed me that I needed to do something for myself. I needed to build something for myself that would fulfill this need to be creative and to do something that was worthwhile for me. And then the reason that I got into copywriting, because at that point, I still didn't really know what copywriting was. I was still working on this kind of editorial plane, so to speak. I was mistaken for a copywriter on a plane, basically. Um, I was on a, a flight back from London here to, to Denver. And so I was sitting next to this guy and, um, you know, inevitably the conversation started, oh, what do you do <laughs> sort of thing? And I explained that I was a, a copy editor. He had heard, not copy editor, but copywriter. And he actually ran a company that helped um, startups kind of get to the ne next level. So he was involved with people who needed copy for websites and, uh, and so on. But we did exchange business cards uh, by the end of the flight. And, um, and and so the next day, he actually emailed me and said, oh, I think I've got some work for you. <laughs> it was funny because obviously I knew that I didn't do what he thought I did. And yet I knew I could. <laughs> but because he did sort of suggest that, you know, this might be a regular thing that he'd need me to do more. I went away and thought, oh my goodness, well, I really ought to find out what this thing is that I don't do. Hence, my research began into copywriting and what it was all about. And as soon as I started diving in, oh my goodness, it was, it was, it was, it really justified that initial feeling that I shouldn't say no to this guy because I felt this is what I should have been doing all along almost. It was using so many skills that I already had, but in a much more creative way and um, helping people to get their message across was something that um, that I found I was really passionate about. Um, but yeah, so that is when I first discovered um, this amazing podcast. In fact, this was my very first, uh, almost one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. I w wasn't really into podcasts at that time. And uh, but when I discovered this one, you'd only just begun. In fact, I think I only had to catch up, I don't know, half a dozen episodes or so. This is how I, I discovered what copywriting was. And then through the Copywriter Club, obviously the Facebook group and so on, I started to hear about Joanna Weeb and various other amazing people. Uh, I got into copy school uh, very early on and, you know, started all that training. You know, the rest is kind of history <laughs> in a sense. I felt like I've been on a on a fabulous uh, ride ever since. Yeah, awesome. And thanks for saying such nice things about the podcast. We definitely appreciate that. But I'm I'm curious, Jen, 
Are there skills that you learned or developed as a copy editor that directly apply to what you do as a copywriter today? Or are they so different that it just was sort of like a, a career change, one led to the other? They are extraordinarily different, in fact. Um, I mean, when, I'm, when I was editing for uh, educational publishers, and it does depend on the kind of copy editing you're doing, of course. Um, but I wasn't working in magazines or I mean, that's more sub-editing anyway, but um, uh, I was working in, in books mainly. There was on, online stuff as well, but that was very much at the beginning of, of uh, online educational stuff. Um, so I was, I was uh, editing uh, authors' books. So author, authors were commissioned to write stuff, and I basically helped them get it better. But a lot of that, of that role, in fact, was more of a project management role. Um, because I would work with the authors, I would work with designers and uh, illustrators and photographers um, to bring together all the elements in the right order. There was a, a massive kind of long process involved to to create uh, an educational science book. And they're all very, as I say, illustrators and photographers very highly involved because these books were very very highly illustrated. Um, so the project management side of things was was one of the key uh, key elements, in fact. But I did, because in my mind, this was very different to what we understand to be copywriting, uh, what I understand to be copywriting now. Um, for the longest time, I didn't really appreciate um, how much of what I had learned as a copy editor, um, you know, in my previous life, so to speak, could be drawn through into, into my new role. So pivoting into this, this new place, I would kind of felt like I was starting all over again. Um, and in many ways I was, and that was exciting, but it, it, so it took me a little while to realize that actually lots of what I, uh, what I was doing as a, as a, in my editorial roles, um, was applicable. As I say, the project management, the kind of organizational side, the process side of things was very much, um, applicable, uh, and working with, with other people in a team, of course, um, as a copy writer, we, we do that all the time. We're working with other, other people in different roles. So all of that stuff does come in. And indeed, even the writing, even the, the, the crafting the words, so to speak, crafting the, um, the structure of a piece of writing, it wasn't doing the same thing because uh, that kind of writing was not necessarily designed to, to create an action, so to speak. I was writing for, for educational purposes to kind of uh, create ideas and understanding uh, in my readers' minds, of course, but I wasn't actually, you know, wanting them to click a button or anything like that. So the kind right. of persuasion side of things wasn't really there. But nevertheless, to construct a piece uh, in a logical and engaging way, um, in order to to create that that picture, that understanding in the reader's head, was definitely applicable. And I didn't understand that for the for the longest time. I kind of dismissed it. Okay, so um, then as you started to make the transition from you know copy editing to copywriter, you started you know learning more about the craft and and what was involved. How did you land your first few clients? Very early on, I, I was drawn to the idea of getting in with a community that would um, you know that would would support me. I mean, the copy, having discovered the podcast and then, of course, the uh, the Facebook group, I, I felt like, you know, that was a great place to start. That was a, a community in its own right. And then I, I, I got myself to the very first uh, TCC IRL in New York um, and met some amazing people there. And this wasn't necessarily my very first client, but I did. I met up with uh, a, a person who actually happens to live here in Denver. And she um She's also a copy copywriter, but she runs a kind of micro agency. And so having got to know her, 
um, actually on one of the dinners uh, at uh, at TCCIRL in 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 that very first year. Um, you know, we we became friends, and uh, I've I got some early work with her, um, which was hugely helpful. Uh, it was mostly blog posts and so on uh, at that stage, and then went on to write several eBooks for her. She was in the kind of environmental space, which I was really interested in, especially in the beginning. As a niche, I, I don't necessarily focus on that these days, but, but I was particularly interested in that back then and also the kind of technical side of it because of coming from a biology, a biology and a science background, I felt that that was an area that I should be kind of exploiting. And so to work with her for this energy company, in fact, on these kind of fairly technical ebooks and blogs was really helpful in the, in the early days. It was fairly regular stuff that really boosted my confidence that I could that I could write at all in 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 this new way the money all helped as well that wasn't as I say the very first job that I got I can't actually remember what the very first client that I that I got well actually I suppose it would have been the um the guy I met on the plane having done this initial little job for him I did then write some website copy for one of their startups that was probably one of the earliest uh jobs that I managed to land I don't know how I landed it really <laughs> I really, I believe that airplanes are the best way to find clients. Um, (laughs) You have undivided attention. I mean, usually, yeah, if you don't have your family in tow and you're not like managing children, but whenever I travel on my own, I feel like if you pull out the right book and it attracts the person sitting next to you, you can have a really great conversation and like pitch your work and your offer. Okay. So Let's talk about what you would recommend to copywriters just getting started today. So newer copywriters, based off what you've done and your experiences and your pivots that you've made, what would you do if you were just starting out today and it wasn't 1995? um, (laughs) What would you do differently? What would you focus on? Looking back... I mean, I did make missteps, but I don't feel that any of them were a waste of time. Each step led to the next and each kind of misstep showed me where, um, you know, where I'd gone wrong in inverted commas and therefore, you know, what wasn't working for me. And it showed me, therefore, where I perhaps should be focusing my attention. So one thing I definitely did right, and I would certainly recommend to anyone, is to find your community and also get some training and some kind of knowledge under your belt to give you the confidence that you you can actually do this. From that kind of base of having that backup, so to speak, being part of that that family, that that also gives you the confidence then I found, and I'd certainly recommend this to, to anybody else, to reach out to people. Even when you're right at the beginning and you feel like, oh my goodness, who am I to talk to this person? Or why should they help me? Why should they even give me the time of day? People are so open to to people reaching out and and they want to help for example this was way back I was part of the 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 copywriter club Facebook group and I noticed that Rai Schwartz had posted in in the group that he was going to be in Denver he was sort of reaching out saying hey what should I do I was so at the beginning of my journey I I wasn't even really able with a straight face to call myself a copywriter at that point (laughs) um but it took all my courage to reach out to him, just recommended some things that he might like to do over a weekend. Not only did he message back, he phoned me, he called me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Rush Schwartz is on the phone, what am I going to do? <laughs> and picked up and, uh, and he suggested that we should actually get together for a coffee. And it was so brilliant. It was just amazing. He was so giving. 
and so helpful um, and gave me so much great advice at that point. But it wasn't even just the, the, the kind of technical advice or you sort of do this or why don't you try that? It was just that confidence, that that confidence builder of speaking to someone who believed in me at a time when I didn't really have any belief in myself at all as a, as a copywriter. So that was extraordinarily helpful. And then of course meant that I could, uh, you know, I met up with him again at, at TCCRL and, uh, and we're still, you know, we're still in contact. So that's fantastic. And the other thing, um, talking about reaching out that was huge for me. Um, and this is, this is an interesting kind of exercise in reframing really the second TCCRL, which obviously I was very keen to be at, um, didn't happen for me because on the day that I was due to fly to uh, to, to New York to Brooklyn at that time, there was a massive storm at uh, Denver Airport, um, a freak kind of cyclone thing, and uh, and all flights were cancelled. All flights were cancelled. Mine was one of the very last to be cancelled, so I was very hopeful for a while that I was going to be the lucky one to get out. But of course, it was cancelled in the end. By which time there were no flights out of Denver for the next three days, so I missed it completely. Um, so I went home and sort of felt sorry for myself for, for about an hour and then, and then thought, well, no, hang on, how can I, you know, make, make this work for me nevertheless? Um, and so what I did was I actually reached out directly to people that I, I was hoping to kind of bump into at TCCRL, including people like Joel Klecky and, um, Tarzan and Hilary Bice, um, and, uh, and they all messaged me back, bless them, and they were all so gorgeous and helpful. Um, and, and I actually ended up working uh, with Tarzan. I actually ended up doing some Facebook ads with her, which was amazing. <laughs> she said to me, um, oh, I'd made some comment in my message about, you know, I would, I would sell a child to work with you. Um, and then, of course, not one of my own. That would be that would be so wrong. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. She appreciated the joke. And so um, she said, well, what do you, you know, do you do Facebook ads? And then I had to confess I'd never done Facebook ads in my life at that point. Um, but I said, I'm a quick learner. <laughs> and she said, you'll be fine. And so we learned together. Basically, she 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 showed me how to how to write Facebook ads for her um, for her business. And um, and that was that was astonishing. But that wouldn't have necessarily happened if I hadn't. Um, well, it wouldn't have happened at all if I hadn't reached out, but I might not have reached out in that kind of direct way had I actually been at TCCIRL. I probably would have, you know, nervously gone up and said, oh, hi, Tarzan, big fan, um, and then just sort of faded into the crowd. But um, but because I kind of made a bit of a stand and uh, decided that I was going to use this rubbish experience to my advantage, um, that, that's a great thing that, that came out of that. So I'd certainly recommend reaching out to people. And if you can do that, you know, from the basis with the foundation of a, of a kind of community behind you, um, uh, that, that, that's all to the good. The other thing that I, I, if I were starting again, I would certainly be more careful about is setting aside time to work on my own business. Because even now I have the most terrible trouble getting out of that kind of uh, outsourced employee mindset where basically I'm here exclusively for my clients <laughs> benefit you know I'm at their bidding so whenever I have client work which fortunately I, as I say I, I have been lucky enough to, uh, to to get plenty of client work um, it means that that I, I'm so bad at carving out time to work on my own business and even when I do put it in the calendar it always gets kind of um, overridden by by my clients' priorities, which is great. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm passionate about doing everything I can for my clients and uh, making it an amazing experience for them. But I, I'm bad with boundaries. Uh, uh, I'm getting better, but I have always been um, 
bad at that simply because I think I've had this, this as I say, this kind of order taker mindset um, so that I'm always there for everybody else and not thinking about how I need to strategically uh, move forward in my in my own business. And that actually is probably the key thing when you're when you're starting out in a new business is to realize that you do have that control to decide who you want to work for, how long you want to, you know, how many hours a week you you want to be spending on client work, um, the kinds of uh, work that you want to do. All of that is in your control. You can design your own life. And it's it's taken me the longest time, really, to get to that point and to understand that uh, not only that that's what I want to do, but that I can do that. And that when I show up in the world with that, um, with that understanding, uh, that things fall into place for me much better in the way that I want them to. Did that answer any question? <laughs> I, th- I think, I th- yeah, well, I think that answered a couple of questions. Uh, <laughs> you took all my questions with that answer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, there's a lot of things that I want to ask, you know, about how your business has developed since you first got your start. But um, another thing that you didn't mention uh, as you were talking about how you got your start that I know about you is that you're an actress. And I think a lot of people are probably listening to you as you answer and think, she sure sounds confident to me. You know, how is she struggling with confidence at one point? And you're pretty good about getting up on stage and, you know, at least taking on a role. And that's something that a lot of us introverts are, you know, we'd be like, there's no way that's, that's just not something that we would do. So we talked just a little bit about how being an actor has helped you in your copywriting business and possibly, you know, as far as reaching out for clients, but also, you know, in taking on roles in uh, the different things that you've done on stage. How has that helped? It's taken a little while for that to kind of sink in and to realize that that lots of the things that I do as an actor are hugely helpful as a copywriter. I mean, the, the obvious one, I guess, is um, is the fact that as an actor, when you you know when you're first studying a role and you're getting into character, so to speak, you you're getting into that person's head, the role that you're playing. You you have to kind of feel their world. You have to feel their pain and their aspirations and their desires and their hopes. Um, for how their life is going to be and and also you know what's in their way their, their objections um, their their obstacles um, as well as their whole you know their whole context their whole environment their given circumstances so to speak so um, understanding all of that about your character when you're um, when you're starting to work on a play for example um, is so very similar of course to the research that we do into our uh, our ideal customers and the the pains that they're feeling and, and the, the, the stuff that they're coming up against and how they want to change their lives um, so that aspect of things is is huge and actually has helped me to develop a, um, a framework that I use for uh, for research to kind of frame my, my customer research. Um, not only my customer research, actually, but also to understand my clients. Um, so I use this kind of framework. I call it the REACH framework, which is um, an acronym, obviously, uh, R-E-A-C-H. And the R is for, for role. So it's understanding the kind of the character, um, uh, the personality of the person that you're, you're thinking about, whether that's your ideal customer or your client. Um, so understanding what their values are, you know, what they stand for, what they stand against, what their worldview is, what they hold dear, and also how their kind of backstory has affected um, who they are and where they find themselves in the world right now. And then the E is for environment, which is that context thing, that's kind of given circumstances. Where are they now, your your prospect or your client? Um, 
what is life like for them right now, physically, you know, kind of geographically almost, but also emotionally, um, you know, so it's their kind of family context um, and their their roles and responsibilities, their um, their cognitive ecosystem. What is it they're seeing and hearing and saying and thinking and what messaging are they receiving uh, in their world right now? Who do they admire? Who who influences them? All that sort of thing. That's all part of their E for environment. And then the A of reach is for aim, which in kind of actor speak would be their objective. Um, and, and, and in that case, uh, usually we're thinking about their objective within the specific kind of context of um, of the product that you that you're offering um, or, or for your clients. But from your client's point of view, it's, it's within the context of their business. What are they trying to achieve in terms of, of their business or even within the context of a particular project you're working on together? So what is their objective? What do they want to achieve? Um, what's, and what's the tangible outcome you know, that they're after? How will it feel? What will it actually um, viscerally feel like when they reach that kind of moment of, of highest pleasure, as, as Ryan calls it, um, that transformational moment? And then the, the C is uh, for challenges. And that's kind of what the obstacles and struggles that, that the person is facing right now, what's holding her back. Um, what excuses is she making um, for not having succeeded yet? And what, she, what has she already tried? Why can't she progress? Uh, towards this this um, this aim, this objective that she has, and then the H of reach is kind of for hidden depths, the hidden agenda. What's going on underneath? What's the deeper motivation or emotional benefits that the that the person is hoping to achieve? Because what's at stake? You know, what's what are her biggest fears around the struggles, and why is it important? Is that kind of why and why and why thing where you keep digging down deeper and deeper to find people's um, really deepest emotional motivation? That's my framework. And it's basically kind of a checklist, really, because I use that to kind of to summarize and organize aspects of, of customer research that I do. And also um, when I'm working with clients, you know, our, our initial kind of kickoff call where I get to find out more about them and their businesses and their hopes and aspirations and so on. Um, I use this framework to kind of make sure I tick all the boxes, so to speak, in terms of uh, understanding every aspect of, of their world. And then I can use that, obviously, to frame and to feed into all the messaging that, that I work with them on. So that's one aspect of acting that has really, really helped directly. In terms of a business person, people assume that I am very confident and extroverted. And I have to say, I'm, from my end of things, it doesn't often feel that way. I do love my alone time. I don't know whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert. I know it's a spectrum. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But I love to be alone. Uh, I love that. Uh, you know, that's, that is something that does revive my energy and so on. On the other hand, I do love talking to people and I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm very happy to do that. I'm very comfortable to do that. So I, I feel like training as an actor has helped me to do that, to kind of uh, grab attention for want of a better word, for, to be seen and be comfortable being seen. Um, so it's certainly helped there. Also working together to create something amazing as an actor, you know, there are, you know, prima donnas that we could all think of I'm sure in the acting world but um, basically it's a very collaborative process working as an actor with your fellow scene partners uh, with directors with backstage people um, I, I work as a theatre actor rather than I, I've done the odd bit of film work but it's it's mostly within the theatre context so, and it is it's such a family and a team atmosphere it's absolutely brilliant I love all that uh, so that's that's really helped to be a, a collaborative person um, and the other thing I think also is, as I say, understanding that you are playing you, really. You're doing your thing, you know, your role 
and rocking it, hopefully. Um, so you shouldn't try to play someone else's part. You shouldn't, that whole comparisonitis thing. If somebody else is doing something amazing over there, that's fantastic, good for them. They're being them out there on the other part of the stage or what have you. And your job is to kind of be you and to react to them, interact with them, um, play off them, um, you know, co collaborate and uh, complement what they're doing rather than thinking, I have to be like everybody else because you don't. And if you do try that, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's going to dilute your message um, and, uh, you know, not be effective anyway. Also, just makes you feel bad. <laughs> so I think I feel like that part of being an actor has also helped as my own character, my own role and not trying to be everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I love the way that you're reframing it and viewing, at least it sounds like viewing the competition, the so-called competition on the stage and that they, they're on the stage too. And that's great. And you're on the stage, but you do have different roles and you show up differently and you have different parts. I think that's a really great way of looking at it. Exactly. Exactly. Jin, I know we had talked to you in the think tank. Um, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And it was really about you doing so many different things. I mean, you're you're so excited and passionate about a lot of different areas of your life, like acting and performing. And I know at one point you were leading aerobic exercises and had a group program and, and then many other things, plus, you know, family business. Um, I feel like I've seen a big change over the last six months where you've stepped it up in your business and, have kind of stepped into this new space in your own business. Can you just talk about what that looked like for you and even mindset wise or decisions you had to make around what to say no to or how to start focusing? I have always uh, been a person who is always trying out different things and oftentimes, you know, all at the same time <laughs> rather than going from one to the other. Not, I'm not a personal trainer, but I take group exercise classes. So yes, and I, 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 I do enjoy doing that, but I had to understand that I couldn't do everything. I love being an actor as well. And I don't think I can ever completely give that up, but I do have to be really careful about how I balance my time because um, acting, especially when you're in rehearsal for a play, it takes up so much time. And usually it's evenings, but, but effectively you're kind of doing two full-time jobs if you're doing that and a, and a day job as well. Uh, and most of us are as actors because um, unless you hit the big time, uh, it's not usually enough to uh, to help your family out. Um, so, yeah, it, I do have to be careful about about selecting what it is I want to focus on. And I have got better at that. I, I now don't do the uh, the uh, exercise classes um, at all. In fact, I, and I regret it from the point of view that I miss all the people that I used to, to work with at the studio. Um, but it, again, that did take up a lot of time because, uh, it, you know, in order to do it properly, you have to plan your classes. You have to, um, you know, put a lot of time and effort into, into getting it just right. Um, and people certainly appreciated that, but it meant that I was not spending time uh, on my business as I, as I really needed to. Um, so I have dropped that. Uh, and it is always hard for me to say no to things. But as I say, it's something that I've got better at and that I have uh, decided needs to happen in order for me to focus on taking uh, my copywriting business to the next level. Um, and the think tank has certainly been amazing for that. It, it really did help me not just focus on my business, but different areas within my business um, that uh, it helped me decide where I wanted to to reach out and, and, and develop. Um, because I, when, I, when I started in the think tank, 
um, just over a year ago. Um, I mean, I definitely felt like the stupidest person in the room. But I mean, I suppose at that point, at least I was in the room and not <laughs> sort of peeking in the window from outside with my nose pressed against the glass, <laughs> thinking, what are they saying? What are they saying? Um, but I never at that point really felt kind of like the confident business owner that I, I feel much more closely like now, if you see what I mean. I still wouldn't say that I I, I have 100% confidence in myself at all. Um, I'm still uh, very much battling with the imposter syndrome, but I don't think that's unusual. I think uh, even Rob Braddock at TCC IRL was saying that every project he works on, he feels like, uh-oh, this is the one where I get rumbled. This is the one where they find out I don't know what I'm doing. And I definitely sympathize with that. I, I still have that. But I do, by the end of the, the my year in the think tank, I it was amazing the transformation that I felt in terms of my identity, my uh, self as a business owner. Um, because actually in my family, especially, uh, I come from a family of teachers um, and of, uh, of engineers. On, on my husband's side, you know, it's all kind of engineers and, and people who've basically always been employed. Um, there's no one in my family that has ever owned their own business or started their own business. Um, oh, except for my older brother, actually. But he, he lives abroad and I haven't seen him for the longest time. Um, it's not that we're not close, but uh, he doesn't talk much about what he does. So I didn't realize until quite recently that he has uh, a couple of businesses, in fact. But my my experience of being close to um, to that, uh, to the, the business mentality, so to speak, was very, very slight. I, I didn't know anything about it and so my confidence in being able to do it to start with was 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 non-existent so it has been amazing to find myself in a place where yeah actually I do know what I'm doing not only do I know what I'm doing but people are asking me for help and advice and that feels lovely that feels so good to be able to uh, to help other people to to reach back and you know help other people take that that step can we talk let me maybe get a little bit more specific about some of these changes so uh you know obviously you were in the think tank you were making changes to your mindset to your business but um specifically what were you doing that that made the difference i wanted originally to work in work with um with clients who who ran kind of ecologically conscious uh brands um big-hearted brands that were particularly kind of involved with green technology and so on um and i that felt right to me at the time or felt like something i should kind of get involved with because of my my science background um and also it just felt like you know in inverted commas the right thing to do you know it was for the sake of the planet and, and so on um but as as I went on, and this is something that the think tank and working with you guys, the coaching and so on, and also the, you know, the whole group of people helped me to understand that actually that wasn't at the core of what I wanted to do. The kinds of people who I wanted to work with, that wasn't their defining feature, if you sort of mean. It wasn't that they were sort of eco-warriors <laughs> uh, or green tech giants. It was, um, it was something else. And so what, I, what helped me to 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 identify exactly what it was that was the kind of defining feature of the people I want to work with was um, was going deeper with you guys and understanding that you know looking at, at my past and my history and all the things that kind of fire me up right now learning and that kind of the transformational power of learning is what really fires me up and so these days I work with coaches and educators and change makers who are who are teachers basically, and who who are involved with helping people transform their lives through learning, um, and that they usually are actually uh, the people that I tend to work with happen to be people who are very kind of socially conscious and big-hearted, um, 
in any case. Um, but the defining feature for me was the fact that they're involved with helping other people transform their lives through learning. Um, so and that's something I've always done. I, as I say, I'm always trying different things. I'm always learning new things. And that's what fires me up. It's always something new, always something uh, different to kind of uh, add to my <laughs> my repertoire, so to speak. Um, and some some of which are truly transformational and can completely change the direction of your life. For example, getting into copywriting and learning all that. Um, others, you know, may not be that that um, radical, but nevertheless, it all helps you to to experience life in a in a greater way, in a deeper way, in a more profound way. Um, and so, it was working with with you guys inside the think tank that helped me to understand what it was about me and my passions that translated uh, into the kind of common factor of the kind of clients I wanted to work with and the kind of work that I wanted to do. Um, so that's been really helpful. And I'd also like to hear just um, what your business looks like today. Okay, those are the types of clients you want to work with, but what types of projects are you working on today? How do you spend most of your time? And what type of business are you building? What does it look like at this point? Yeah, well, as I say, I, I love to work with um, with seasoned coaches and educators and change makers, and I love to help them kind of try to um, break through the um, you know the bounds of what what they've tried before and try new ways of, of opening their audience to to this um, kind of transformative uh, magic of, of 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 possibility. You know what 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 they could do differently to make their lives better. There's always a, a kind of a better way of doing things. There's always a right way to say things. And that really comes into, into copy that I'm, I'm constantly tr- sort of trying to edit and 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 make things better, make things to say, say, get across the message exactly as I want it. Of course, you get to that point, you think, yes, that's it, I've got it. Um, but I always feel like there's there's another place to go with it. But for now, you know, for, for the messaging that we want to get across right now, for example, this is the best way to do it. This is the best way of saying it. Um, I mean, things are, as I say, constantly evolving, but I love helping my clients get to that place where they think, oh yeah, no, I thought I had this. I thought this was fine. This was working. Okay. But now it's even better. Now it's going to, to be even more kind of persuasive or, um, or effective. Um, so mostly lately I've been working on uh, launch copy and sales copy, um, I've also been doing uh, sort of a deep dive into the, the kind of messaging for one particular gorgeous client. Um, and that has kind of gone right across her, like from her website to her. Um, she has a, a membership which uh, she wants to make uh, evergreen. So we're working on um, email sequences and so on to help people, to help her get her membership kind of, kind of getting a regular input, even though it's, it's, it's not going through that launch process every you know, few months. Um, so that's that's been awesome. But what I have really been investigating lately and getting quite fired up about is, and this comes back to the kind of acting thing as well, I think, um, the clients that I work with, I, I found, whoever they were, whatever you know their background and their the project on, on which we were working together, it, it kept coming up that people hate writing their own about pages. They hate writing about themselves, basically. Um, and even if they get a, a copywriter to do it, nevertheless, it's a kind of you know, really painful process for them. Um, and, and speaker bios as well, people who want to get out there and get more visible through speaking on stages uh, or getting on podcasts. You always need a bio to, to kind of you know, open doors for you. And people hate doing that. They hate writing about themselves in that way. And so this was something that occurred to me that well, was a need that people needed help with, but also something that I actually really love doing because, again, it's that kind of getting into your character's head. 
Um, I mean, your character being your client, for example, that if you wanted to write their, their about page or their bio, you need to get into their world and understand, you know, what it is that they want to achieve. And also, and this really appeals to me, how to connect that to what their audience needs to hear. Um, so it's not just about, um, you know, understanding your client's sort of character, values, dreams, fears and passions and what she stands for and so on. Um, it's also understanding what her audience needs to know about her in order to fall in love with her. Um, and that involves understanding their hopes and dreams as well. Um, and then the kind of connection between those, the, the conduit, so to speak, uh, to communicate um, what the client needs to communicate to their audience is finding that story, that kind of differentiating angle um, in amongst the your client's background, in amongst all the all the research that you you do with them, that the interviews you have with them, finding that story that will communicate those things uh, and differentiate uh, your client from from the crowd, so to speak. So this was something that I. Um, I, I would beca- I'm becoming really interested in and I've actually put together some some packages which I'm going to be launching very very shortly um, to help people you know literally to, to write their their bios and their about pages originally I was thinking with about pages well you know people aren't necessarily going to want to buy just an about page so that's going to be quite a difficult sell you know they'd, they'd want all their website copy for example um, but in fact uh, again research has, has uncovered that that people Having gone through a kind of complete website rework and, you know, a few months down the line or what have you, are nevertheless not happy with their about page. And it's not doing what it should. It's not making that connection with the audience um, right away because it's I mean, it's a well-known statistic that uh, your about page is the second most visited um, page on your website. You know, people go there directly after it after the homepage, that's where they land. And the about page is, is usually where they go next. Um, and that's their first time of meeting you. Uh, it's the first time that they're, they're kind of understanding who you are and, and what you can do to help them. So it's really important to get that messaging, get that story, that differentiating story really uh, sharp and clear and get that um, that message punching through right away on, on your about page. So it's something that if, if it's not working for your website, it's it's probably harming your business quite significantly. So um, it's something that I would love to help people with. And that's uh, that's what I'm working on right now. Jin, would you share something, uh, maybe your biggest failure or the thing that you struggle with most in your business? It's probably this, um, it's it's a mindset thing. It's, it's this imposter syndrome. <laughs> that just won't go away. I mean, it has been just this idea of even thinking of myself as a writer, as a creator, rather than, as I say, having spent so many years as an editor where I was taking other people's work really and and doing something with it. But thinking of myself as a writer and as a business owner, as someone building and creating something from myself, of myself and putting it out into the world um, was the hardest thing for me to kind of, grab hold of um so so that kind of identity thing is 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 one thing i still i do still struggle with but i'm getting getting more comfortable with the idea um but the imposter syndrome as i say also comes up specifically to do with skills sometimes um and i don't know why because when you look at the evidence people do say great things about your work you get great results 
Um, you have wonderful testimonials, what have you. You have clients who are really happy with you. You've done this amazing thing. And when you look back on the progress that you've made over the last few years, or what have you, it's um, it's amazing. It's incredible to find yourself where you are. Nevertheless, <laughs> every time a new client comes along, every time a new project comes along, I'm still finding myself double guessing, you know, second guessing myself and thinking, oh my goodness, can I do this? Um, and as Rob Braddock said, you know, this is the time when they're going to find me out. They're going <laughs> to going to realize I've I've just conned them into believing that I'm actually a competent copywriter, and it's all going to all going to fall to pieces. So I do still struggle with that, and it does it does uh, manifest as a kind of physical uh, pain, a physical tension in my chest. Again, I, 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 am guessing that lots of your listeners will, will perhaps relate to this as well. And sometimes it's, it's literally hard to breathe. Um, but I have to kind of, as I say, give myself the evidence that this is nonsense. This is just a story I'm telling myself. This is rubbish. And I can do this. Not only can I do this, I can do it better than I did last time. And I can perhaps do it better than than many other people. Um, one thing that uh, that I think is a, is a great thing to do here is to actually keep a, keep a record of that evidence. So when you get uh, an email from a client saying, hey, great job, or when you have a lovely testimonial, or you know, when someone on a Facebook group shouts you out for being um, you know, amazing at what you do, uh, take a screenshot, keep it in a folder, keep it in a file and have that as your evidence folder for when when those moments of not quite being able to breathe <laughs> because the anxiety is, is getting to you. Uh, when those moments happen, you can pull that out and go, oh, look, no, I can do this. And also, as I say, remind yourself where you were two, three, four years ago and how things have changed for you, what, the progress that you've made. I mean, I have to say, actually being on this podcast is a big moment for me from that point of view because when I when I first started listening to you guys, as I say, way back beginning of 2017, I it didn't take me very long to think to myself, I need to be on that podcast. That's what I need to do, and here I am. I have I have I didn't know how I didn't know how that was going to happen. I had no idea that I would ever make the progress that I that I have made, but here I am. I'm on your podcast, and I'm so thrilled. Thank you guys. Thank you for everything. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. We're, we're thrilled too. Um, so, uh, Jen, I just have my last question because you mentioned you were at our first ever TCC in real life back in that was in Manhattan in Chinatown, and then you missed the second one, which we were bummed that you missed it. And then you were back in San Diego this last, well, this March before everything shut down. So. Um, because you have that experience going and then also not going, uh, can you just kind of speak to the power of in-person events and how it did help you as a business owner beyond, beyond some of the connections you already mentioned, like with Rye Schwartz and making some of those connections and reaching out to people? How else can those in-person events help copywriters, especially events where you meet other copywriters um, can you share a little bit of your thoughts on that? Yes. The thing is, the, the greatest things that come out of these these types of events are not the things that you expect. They're not the, um, as you say, you, you you hope and expect to make uh, to make contacts and to meet people and so on. But it's somehow it's it's more than the sum of the parts because it's not just meeting these people. It's the it's the sense of 
underpins your uh, your sense of identity and confidence in who you are. I certainly found that even more so at the at the most recent uh, event in uh, in San Diego. That I mean, I just felt I belong here. These are my people, and and I am a copywriter, and I am a successful business person, and this time I am a speaker, and uh, that was that was an astonishing experience to be up there on the stage, um, and it it just kind of justified uh, all the um, all the learning and all the progress that I've that I've made, and literally, I mean, some of the ideas that come up, not just from from um, you know, listening to speakers on stage, but those conversations in the in the bar afterwards, those dinners that you go on, the people that you that you connect with. I know this, that, you know, this is making connections, but it's not just uh, making friends in that way, and 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 potentially you know business connections for later on. It's the ideas that come up in those in those contexts that you think, oh my goodness, yeah, that's exactly what I needed to know, or um, t- t- you know, a new direction that I could think about this particular problem in and so on. So it's all those unexpected little um, little bits that, that come out of it. One thing that I, I would say, um, the VIP day that we had uh, at the end of TCCIRL that I was lucky enough to be part of, um, where Prana was, um, Prana Malik was, was helping us to, to kind of uh, process what we'd all learned and to kind of commit to, uh, to taking action and to doing something about what we've learned over the over the next few days that was hugely helpful as well because one thing that you you come away with all these amazing ideas as i say from just conversations and uh from speakers and so on and 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 it is wonderful how they all kind of tie in together and create something greater than the sum of the parts but the next thing is actually taking action on it and putting it um putting it into play in your business um so that's something that, that certainly came out of this this latest one much more for me that uh, it, it, all the ideas in the world uh, are not going to happen unless you take action on them uh, and it, even if it's just a little bit even if it's just a, a, a tiny um, you know little steps that you take along the way just to take those first steps the next one that will follow and then the next one will follow and then another door will open and something else will happen and everything evolves in that way but you have to take the first step so taking action. Uh, is is something that really came out of this latest one for me, for sure. Yeah, I like that. that that's maybe a, a really good wrap up for all of uh, TCC IRL, but also for this podcast uh, because, yeah, we can we can talk, we can learn, um, but if we're not actually taking action, it doesn't have an impact. So, Jen, if somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, um, the way that you did with Rye and so many others at TCC IRL, where would they go to find you? My website is uh, is a great place, and there will be details on, on that about these new bio packages um, that I, I, I mentioned earlier. And that is simply ginwalker.com, so G-I-N-W-A-L-K-E-R.com. I'm also uh, there on Facebook, of course, um, as Gin Walker, which is my personal one, but I, you know, I tend to use it for all sorts of businessy things. I do have a business page there as well, but I think the personal one's probably best, just Gin Walker again. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. Um, I spend more time on Facebook and Instagram than I do on Twitter, I must admit. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So I'm available in all the usual outlets. <laughs> so we're going to definitely reach out and find you there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you're launching your, your new website's launching soon. So we can look yeah. forward to that too. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thank you, Jen, for spending time with us and digging into uh, your your stories and your experiences. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys.
You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.